Let us pray. Lord, we ask in this moment that you breathe on us, breathe on us with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you energize us, that you breathe your life into us, give us a passion, give us a hope to approach your your gospel message, to approach your word. And as your word is read, Lord, we ask that the words that were written so long ago, that they will come alive for us today and that they will speak to us and that you will teach us um, your will, your way for our lives through these words. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you're able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We've been uh, going through the book of Romans, and, and we've covered a lot of uh, different topics uh, so far through this, this journey, through this, this wonderful book. We've talked about uh, faith. We've talked about uh, grace. We've talked about the gulf, how we all start off on this side as sinners, and we are all trying to get over here to where God is, this, this, this holiness. And, and we've talked about the, how we do that through Jesus Christ. And we've talked about the process of sanctification. We've talked about how the Holy Spirit enables us uh, for the, the journey of faith. And as we talked about all of these things, we get to this part uh, here towards the end of chapter 8, and it's almost like Paul takes a break from all of that and just pauses to reflect on how good it all is. And he's just, he's just saying, can anything separate us from God's love? Look at how wonderful this love is. Look at what this love does for us, how it empowers us, how it helps us. Look at what God, uh, through love, did uh, by giving his Son and, uh, and by giving us the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we've, we've, got it, we've got it all. We've got it all right there. Isn't it wonderful? Nothing can separate us from that love. And so there is this wonderful moment of just uh, praise and thanksgiving and reflection here at the the end of this chapter, chapter 8. And it includes with it a a little bit of uh, Trinitarian theology. You know, we we believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And whether it's expressly... um, 
you know, spelled out for us here or not is beside the point. Paul is alluding to it because he talks about how God gave us his son. He, he, that's, that's at the beginning of this passage we just read. He said God gave us his son. That's how much he, he loved us. And we talked about last week how if, if we're all over here, we're all humans, we're all, uh, you know, imperfect, but we're trying to get over here where God is, then the only thing that can act as a bridge is someone who is both human and divine. And that's where Jesus Christ comes into the picture. And so Paul is reminding us, it's because of God's love that he gave us that bridge. It's because of God's love that he gave us his son. And last week at the end of the sermon, we read uh, from the hymnals, the Nicene Creed. And we talked about God being, uh, we talked about Jesus being God of true God, how he was fully human and fully divine. But there was another passage in there at the Nicene, in the Nicene Creed towards the end, uh, where it talks about the Holy Spirit. And it says, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. Now, Paul has just told us here that the Son comes from the Father. And of course, the, the Son coming from the Father is, is, is like a messenger. God, is he loves us, and so he gives us the Son to, to demonstrate that love. And, and if you send a messenger, they're going to carry a message with them. So Jesus Christ comes as God's messenger of love. But then Jesus told his disciples that he was also going to send a messenger. If you remember before his crucifixion and his resurrection and his ascension, he, said, he told his disciples... Now, you're not always going to have me here in the body, in the person, in the flesh. But I'm going to give you a helper. I'm going to give you, I'm going to leave you uh, something to help you and to guide you. And he was talking about his spirit. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. And that's where the Trinity comes into this. God gives us the Son, and then, and then Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. And we talked about this uh, when we talked about sanctification, the journey of faith, how we're moving on to perfection. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that enables us to do that, the Spirit that Christ gives us. And so that's why we say in the Nicene Creed, that's why we, we confess that the Spirit comes from the Father and from the Son. And that Spirit... Just as the Son is a gift from the Father, the Spirit is a gift of love. It's meant to help us. In fact, Jesus calls it the Advocate when he's talking to his disciples. Now, if you've ever had an Advocate uh, on your side, you know how beneficial that is. And it can make you feel really good to know that somebody's got your back. I want to tell you a story about a former job that I have, but before I do that, I'm going to say I realize that I've told you all plenty of stories about former jobs that I've had, <laughs> and, it, and it's starting to, to get a little embarrassing because you all are starting to realize how many former jobs I had <laughs> before I went into the ministry. Uh, a few years ago at a Lions Club meeting, we had a guest speaker, and he was talking about all the different jobs he had had, and he was just rattling off one after another. He'd been in this city and this town and this place, and, and somebody from the back of the room, I, I heard them mumble, oh, he's had more jobs than I've had underwear. <laughs> and for, for whatever reason, that struck me as so funny that I had to get up and leave the room because I was, I was laughing so hard. Uh, but at, at the risk of sounding like that, I'm going to tell you now about this, this, uh, this, this job that I had at one point in time because I had an advocate at that job, and I cannot tell you how much that, that advocate meant to me. 
I was uh, a security guard uh, stationed at Mead West Vaco, uh, the paper mill in Cottonton, Alabama, which is about an hour drive from, from Columbus, where I lived at the time. And, uh, and I was hired, I was 19 years old, I was hired out there temporarily at first, uh, just as the plant went through uh, shutdown so they could do maintenance and they needed extra security. And uh, anyway, uh, my boss out there, his name was Captain Norman. And uh, Captain Norman uh, sort of befriended me. He looked out for me. He became an advocate there in the workplace. In fact, I remember when, when we, the first real conversation we had was on September 11th, 2001 the day the World Trade Centers were attacked. My band had been featured in the Columbus State University newspaper, and before I went to work that morning, I grabbed a copy of it and took it out to work, and I was going to show it off. I was going to show everybody that we were in the paper. And then the World Trade Center attack happened, and all of a sudden that didn't feel important at all. So I folded it up and just kind of shoved it in a drawer so nobody would see it, and, uh, and I thought that was that. Well, Captain Norman came through there later that afternoon, and he found it and, and looked at it. He came up to me. He said, oh, you're in a band? I said, yeah. And he started talking about music, how he likes music. And, and, and so he started bringing me in because he knew I had a long drive. He started bringing me in burned copies of some of his uh, favorite bands for me to listen to on, on the ride back and forth to work. And then he, at his request, I was hired on permanently, full time. And uh, I was what they called the floater, which meant that if anybody else uh, was, was sick or missed work or was assigned somewhere else, I would go fill in for them at that station. So I was sort of all over the paper mill. I was in different places. And there were some of those places where I had an immediate supervisor who was not very friendly, um, who just for whatever reason had it out for me from the get-go, maybe because I wasn't who uh, I wasn't the person he was used to or I'm not really sure. But when Captain Norman noticed this, he came out there and he gave that supervisor a piece of his mind. I mean, he just chewed him up one side and down the other. And, and I, felt, I felt good. I, I, I mean, not because I, I thought, you know, I deserved this defense or anything, but just to know that somebody had my back, to know that somebody was looking out for me. And it wasn't just me. I saw him do this with many other people. In fact, there was a girl who uh, uh, was, was working security, and one of the contractors came through one morning and made a smart comment to her. And when the contractor came back through, Captain Norman went running out there, stuck his head in the guy's uh, truck window, and, and started chewing him out. The contractor got out. Uh, we thought there was going to be a fight. They were in each other's faces, but it was wonderful. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it was, it, it was, it, it was great because it, it was Captain Norman was standing up for his employees, and he made a habit of this all the time. In fact, he he eventually uh, wound up leaving the job because uh, the corporate office wouldn't pay us what he thought we should make, and he went up there and he told them that if they didn't pay his guards more, he was going to leave, and they didn't, and so he left. And when he left, uh, we all kind of had that sense that we had lost our advocate in the workplace. And it made the job a lot more difficult. And um, all of a sudden, it wasn't worth the two-hour round-trip drive to, to get back and forth because we didn't have uh, that, that person there advocating for us, sticking up for his people. And uh, in a sense, even though he was doing it for us, he was standing up for us, 
we, we sort of felt abandoned. But the thing about the Holy Spirit that Paul is saying here is that, that God has given his Son, he gives you his Holy Spirit that demonstrates his, his love, and, and you're never going to be abandoned by that. You're never going to be left behind. And that's a wonderful feeling to know that there's, there's somebody on your side who's never going to leave you. Because that love is so real and it's so deep that, that it will always be with us. I've told you all before, one of my favorite movies is Forrest Gump. Um, I, I feel like it's sort of the perfect balance of humor and, and wisdom and emotion. But, the, but one of the more emotional moments is towards the end of the movie. Uh, you know, Forrest is talking to Jenny and he's telling her about all these things he's done in his life. And she says to him, I wish I had been there with you, Forrest. And he says, you were with me, Jenny. <laughs> and, and I mean, that, that's, it's kind of funny the way he says it, but the, the love that he had for her was so real and so deep that wherever he went in life, he felt her presence. And this, this, is, this is real. This is a real thing. And we feel it with each other. We know it. We know when we are loved. It's like I was talking to the children in the children's sermon. Your parents don't have to be in the room with you to know that you're loved by them. In fact, just, just yesterday when, when I was uh, doing uh, Ray Folsom's uh, funeral service, a lady came up to me afterwards and had told me about it. it had been four years since, since her husband passed. And she said, but when she gets on her bike and she rides, she feels him. She feels his presence. And it's because of the love that she has for him. That love doesn't go away. And if we have that kind of love for each other and that love can, can stay with us and it can transcend time and space just on a human level, how much more so can the love of God transcend everything else? How much more so can we be assured that that love will never, ever, ever be torn away from us? Well, some people have asked me before, well, if God never leaves us, how come I feel abandoned? How come I feel like God has left me behind? And the truth of the matter is, God does not abandon us. He does not leave us behind, although sometimes we may feel like it. And I will be very honest with you. There have been times in my life where I have felt like it. I have felt abandoned and alone. But I look back and I realize that I wasn't. And it's like that old, old poem you, you, you hear, most of us are probably familiar with it, about the footprints in the sand, where the man says, see, there were times in my life there were only one set of footprints. And then God says, well, those were the times that I was carrying you. And there are times where we may not recognize God's presence in our life. We may not feel his love, but it's there. It doesn't leave us. It's always there. In fact, the psalmist in, in Psalm 139 talks about it. He says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I go down to Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. A lot of scholars have, have looked at this psalm and, and said that, that it could be a reference or an allusion to Jonah. Because remember, Jonah gets swallowed up by the fish, and Jonah is, is there in the depths of the sea. And if anybody ever felt abandoned by God, I'm sure in that moment, Jonah in the belly of the fish at the bottom of the sea probably felt pretty alone. 
But as the psalmist says, Jonah wasn't alone. Even there, in the midst of that, God was with him, encouraging him, guiding him, trying to straighten him out. Jonah had not been walking in the Spirit. Jonah had not been going through the process of of sanctification. He had not been faithful to God. He had rebelled against God. But God was still there with him. Even in the bottom of the sea. Now, Jonah didn't just survive being swallowed up by the fish. The fish eventually coughed him up. Jonah went to Nineveh. And God used Jonah to lead an entire nation to repentance. This is what Paul is talking about in the the passage when he says, we're more than conquerors. The love of God doesn't just allow us to be survivors. It allows us to be conquerors and more. We don't just survive life. We don't just get by because God's love is there with us and it can string us along. God's love gives us the strength to do great things, to do wonderful things. So let's, let's get back to this image just for a moment of, of the gulf that we've been visiting and revisiting throughout this study of Romans. We start off on this side, separated from God by our own sins, our own faults, our own failures, and then God sends a bridge, His Son. And as we journey across that bridge, as we journey towards holiness, as we move on to perfection, as John Wesley says, we're given the Holy Spirit as an advocate. We're given the Holy Spirit as a source of strength. And all of this, the Son, the Spirit, all of it is given to us because of God's enormous love that He has for us. He gives us full access. It's all-inclusive. If you were to go on a cruise, if you were to pay for a ticket to a cruise, uh, it would be all-inclusive. That means that you could, uh, you, all your meals were free, all your drinks were free, the games, the activities, everything's paid for with that ticket. So it wouldn't make any sense, would it, to go on the cruise and bring your own peanut butter sandwiches with you and stay in your room and just eat those? Of course not. All-inclusive means everything's already been paid for. Go have the steak and lobster. They're serving it. You've already paid for it. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying the love of God, He's given you Jesus Christ, His Son. He gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you the ability to to be sanctified, to move on to perfection. And you have all of that love. You are the recipient of all of that love. And if you just receive it, if you live in it, if you claim it, you're given the power to become more than conquerors in life. The problem is we don't always... Take advantage of everything that's made available to us. We don't always walk in the Spirit like we should. We don't always live into the love that God gives us. We don't always reflect that love to each other. And when we do that, we're ultimately rejecting the love that He longs to pour out on us. Romans can be very thick. It can be very dense. There's a lot of... uh, unpacking to do. There's a lot of themes expressed in Romans. But for all its depth, for all of its themes, it's all pointing to something very, very simple. God loves you, and He's doing everything He can to prepare you, to justify you, and to sanctify you. Like Jonah, there may be times in life where we feel alone or abandoned, 
We may feel like we're in the belly of the fish, but we're not. We're never abandoned. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. God is working constantly and consistently to redeem us, to reconcile us, to forgive us and heal us. And he does this because he loves us so much. That's worth taking a break from everything else and reflecting on. And just thinking about all the ways he has demonstrated that love to us. His love will always be there with us and for us. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you as always for loving us. Even when we feel like we are unworthy, Lord, you look on us with love that is so powerful, so real, so big, that you would give your own son to die for us. You would give your spirit to guide us and to lead us and instruct us. We thank you that because of your love, you are our advocate. We can trust you to have our backs, to fend for us, and to even carry us when we're too weak to walk on our own. Lord, help us to see and recognize your love more and more each day and to reflect that love to others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 397, I Need Thee Every Hour. We're going to sing the first, second, and last verse. Please stand if you're able and join us in singing hymn number 397.